Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since it first started tumbling into Ireland through the old pirate coves of West Cork and in the stomachs of drug mules coming from Miami, Cocaine has become the drug of our nation. It has swept in like a blizzard, dusting every corner of every small town. And so swift and total has its spread been that the Irish are now some of the biggest users in the world. But to unravel how a small island like ours on the edge of Europe ended up such a big player in the major cocaine leagues, we must follow the white supply lines back to the beginning. We must follow the routes it has taken as it travels across the globe. And most importantly, we need to follow the cowboys who put us on the map. So join me, Nicola Talent, for my new live show, Cocaine Cowboys, the story of Ireland's love affair with Colombia's biggest export. Limited tickets now available for February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick, February 15th in Cork's Everyman and at Dublin's Three Olympia on Sunday, February 18th. Tickets available at venues are on mcd.ie. Michelle Thompson tells the others to turn the music down so she could hear the beating better. The woman downstairs, particularly Thompson, wanted to know what was happening. And they go upstairs and the door, the bedroom door is opened and they look in and see the lifeless body of Anne-Marie Smith lying on the floor next to her bed. I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. When journalist Hugh Jordan saw a familiar face pop up on his television speaking at an anti-immigration protest in a South Belfast housing estate, he knew he had to investigate further. And to his surprise, the woman interviewed on the BBC, saying that she wanted no outsiders moving into her area, had a very, very sinister past indeed. Today, I'm talking to Hugh about an extraordinary tale that brought him from a short news report into one of the darkest murders of Northern Ireland's black-hearted sectarian past. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. 
I think I want to make um, a little sort of observation, first of all. And that is that those in glass houses should not be throwing stones. Is that how the phrase goes? That's it, yeah. Yeah, because here you have <laughs> somebody out protesting and uh, we'll, we'll go into the story, but uh, basically she her own past kind of caught up with her and maybe she doesn't have the same uh, rights as others to be out judging people. Well, that, that's exactly the point I, I wanted to to touch on and explain how the story came about. Mm. I was watching the television news and there was a story uh, by the reporter, uh, Kevin, fellow from Donegal, and uh, he was reporting a a protest uh, in the Beaver estate. It's B-E-L-V-O-I-R. Now, how they get a pronunciation (laughs) from Belvoir to Beaver, I don't know, but that's what they call it. Okay. He stayed. <gasps> and what caught my attention was uh, when when Kevin said he had a group of protesters and they were protesting against immigrants uh, uh, coming into the estate, which is quite an nice estate they, in South Belfast. And uh, the reason, the, 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 the second the camera went on to them, they all turned their backs on the camera and put their hoods up. Right. That draw, drew my attention. They were all mostly women, and they turned their back on the camera and put their hoods up. So that caught my attention. And he had one person who was prepared to speak to him, who was Michelle Thompson. And uh, he questioned, uh, Kevin questioned her, Michelle Thompson about uh, some graffiti in the area. So she she caught my attention watching the TV, and I was uh, her name came up, Michelle Thompson, right. and in the back of my memory, I'm saying, how do I know her name? What 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 is there about her that I I know? She was kind of nervous but determined to get her point across for the BBC. So later that evening, I I started juggling about with her name. And then it popped up, this case, the murder of Anne-Marie Smith, 26 years of age, mother of two, came from Armagh, and she was taken to a house and uh, and asked by her newfound friend, who was Michelle Thompson, uh, to stay the night. But she was brutally murdered. She never, she never got back to Armagh. She had never been in Belfast before, and she died a brutal death. Her throat was slipped back to the spinal cord, and that is that's how she ended her life. What an she, what an intriguing story! And she how well how long ago? First of all, did, did this well, it happen? Was in, it was in February nineteen ninety two. Right. So before the ceasefire, but the, the whole story is quite intriguing. Anne-Marie was 26 years of age. She was a mum of two. She wasn't married. Uh, But her dad, Frank, had agreed to look after her children to allow her a night out. She went into Armagh, which is quite a nice town, and she bumped into a fella she knew who was a roadie for a band. Mm -hmm. And they were playing in Belfast that night and uh, in in East Belfast in a social club. And uh, he asked her, would you like to come? 
She had heard the band before. She was a bit of a fan. And she said, yeah, why not? They said, we'll give you a lift home. So she arrived up at the Glen Torn Supporters Club on the Castle Ray Road in East Belfast. And uh, she was in there as the band were playing. She's on her own. So she she managed to get a seat next to some other females who were there. And uh, she, 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 she liked dancing. So she danced with one of the fellas who was nearby. She was on her own, but the women asked her to stay there. And she explained who she was. She was Anne-Marie Smith from Armagh, and she had never been in Belfast before. And who does she meet? She meets Michelle Thompson. And then she confides in Michelle Thompson that she was a Catholic. And she wondered, was she all right? And, uh, and Michelle said, of course you're all right. I'm a Catholic myself, she said, telling her a lie. And so everything settled down. But Michelle, soon after that, turned to her friend and said, I'm going to invite her back to the house uh, and we'll give her a good baiting, was the expression used. And uh, But anyway, the evening went on and uh, Anne-Marie had initially was intended to go back home. But these people persuaded her that she was in good company and she would be going back to a nearby house for a party and she could stay the night. So they went back to Craigie Street, which is a nice little street of terrace houses uh, off the main uh, Castlereagh Road. And uh, soon afterwards, uh, some people arrived, men, uh, a guy called Sam Samuel Cook, who owned the, the property. He was a member of the UVF. And with him was a guy called Jimmy Manners, another member of the UVF. And with them again, another man uh, called Carlo Bingham, who was from the other side of the city, from Rathgool. Uh, but he was wanted by the police in connection with the murder of Steve, uh, Raymond McCord, mm. uh, Raymond McCord's son. Uh, that was just around that time as well. So they're all at the party. And... Uh, an, an interesting thing happens. Uh, Anne-Marie's talking, she's relaxed, and she tells them that she's a great fan of the singer, Brian Adams. And uh, she goes into her, her bag and brings out a, a, a cassette recording of, of Brian Adams' songs. And she was particularly interested in this song. She loved it, called I Thought I Had Died and Gone to Heaven. It was a big hit. It was in the charts. In 1992, she let them hear it. They all thought that was great. And then she goes to the lavatory at some point. When she's on the stairs, she's abducted by the three men who are all loyalist paramilitaries. And she's taken to a bedroom and savagely beaten. Downstairs, Michelle Thompson. Now, we know all this because it came out at a later trial. Michelle Thompson tells the others to turn the music down so she could hear the beating better. And they did turn it down. And then it, as it went on, and, and clearly Anne-Marie was alarmed and been in pain and, and terrified, uh, Thompson tells the others, in fact, she did it herself, she leant over and turned the sound up so, to dull the sound of the screams that were going on upstairs. They, they, 
The women downstairs, particularly Thompson, wanted to know what was happening. And they go upstairs and the door, the bedroom door is opened and they look in and see the lifeless body of Anne-Marie Smith lying on the floor next to her bed. So she was clearly dead at that point. But a while later, a few minutes later, an estate car arrived uh, and the body of Anne-Marie was wrapped up in a, in, a, in a carpet and she's carried downstairs roughly and her head is banging off the steps as it goes down and she's wrapped in the carpet. And one of the men makes a joke. He says to the others, ah, there she is, full again, meaning full drunk. Uh, and and she's lifted out, put into the boot or the, the back of this estate car and driven about two miles cities, towards the city centre, to a spare ground of a street called Ballarat Street at the foot of the Ravenhill Road, quite near where Ian Paisley's a Martyrs Memorial Church was. And uh, she's taken out of there unconscious and certainly unconscious and probably dead. And she's dumped on the spare ground. But Jimmy Manners steps forward and slits her throat back to the spinal cord. Now, that confused the police uh, because she wasn't found until the next day. But the, the killers... Uh, swung their own operation into activity that day. And the, the women who were all there, they all took uh, a, a role in destroying the evidence. The, the, the carpet was replaced. The bedroom was repainted. Uh, everything was, was done. Meanwhile, uh, the, 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 meanwhile, the police had their own investigation and they found out quite quickly who she was with in the club, and they, she rounded them all up. And they they knew about the house in Craigie Street, but there was nothing in Craigie Street. By the time the police arrived there, a few days later, there's nothing to connect them. The place looks normal, looks freshly painted, of course, but uh, there was nothing to link. There was no, of course, there's no DNA then, Nicola. Mm. And uh, they, 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 so they're trying to get a link. And eventually it happened. Uh, The hero of all of this is a Mrs. Kelly and her daughter, Cheryl Kelly, who was a teenager and had taken drink and drugs in that house. But it clearly troubled her. And her mother knew something was wrong. So Mrs. Kelly finally got it out of her daughter. And she marched her down to the nearest police station and said to the sergeant behind the counter, she has something to tell you. And she was questioned by detectives and made a full confession about everything that happened in the house. She remembered it all. Mm. And uh, she remembered particularly that Anne-Marie had produced the Brian Adams tape. So detectives went back to the house in Craigie Street. Lo and behold, the cassette player was still there in the front room. And in the cassette, was the Brian Adams tape. So the police removed that and tested it. Anne-Marie's fingerprints were on it, and so was Michelle Thompson's. So what they, they had the case then, and uh, the case went ahead. During the case, there must have been negotiations with some lawyers, because Anne-Marie, uh, uh, Michelle Thompson and another 
female who was there, uh, the, the murder charges against them were dropped. They pleaded guilty to lesser charges and got suspended sentences. Suspended? Of them mm. Suspended sentences. Now, I mean, you can read your own mm. thoughts into that. Uh, I would imagine there was cooperation going on then. But the, the, the judge was appalled at the sectarian uh, and cruel nature of the murder of this young woman who had never been in Belfast before. It's just it was extraordinary. I'm listening to you there and the only thing that sort of shoved me back into the here and now was the Brian Adams fact. I mean, the rest of it sounds like it's from the dark ages. It does, it does, it does. And and the, the Brian Adams factor, what was the key to solving yeah. the thing? Three of the men get 25 years, uh, including Manners and, 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 and two of the others, and others got, got lesser. But they concluded that there may have been and probably was around a dozen people involved in this, mm. uh, in this brutal murder. It's like a witch uh, hunt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a, a helpless yeah. young, young woman. You know? And Hugh, speaking of that woman, like, was it unusual? I know horrendous things have happened and, and so many thousands of people died over the course of the Troubles. But... Is this a particularly unusual, particularly savage crime that, you know, a young woman, you don't hear of that much uh, sort of stories around women be being the sort of the almost, I mean, she was completely vulnerable. She was lured into a house where men were called to kill her. Like mm -hmm. That may seem totally unusual to you, but in the back streets of Belfast, the dark secret streets, where these paramilitary gangs operate, there is a history, Nicola, of, uh, of, of women being murdered in these circumstances. I can give you the names now off the top of my head. Margaret Smith, a Protestant girl who ended up in a loyalist band hall in South Belfast, not too far from where uh, Anne-Marie Smith ended. So Mar uh, Margaret Wright, mm. uh, was dumped, her, her body, brutal things were done to her, and she was murdered and thrown into a wheelie bin. And why was she killed? And, well, I, I don't want to go into the detail of it, but she was savagely beaten to death mm. and, and worse things. It was, a, it was a pool hall involved in all, all of this. Mm. It was a pool, pool cues involved. And uh, she's in, uh, she, her body was dumped in a wheelie bin and pushed away some yards. The the party, the drugs party, mm. where she had died, is still in process when the police are made aware of the murder and the police surround this band hall, which is like a bunker from the Second World War. And um, they refused to come out. So eventually the, 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 the police got a digger to demolish it, and they came out at that point. But, I mean, that's only one... Uh, there's another woman called Anne Ogilby who was who was savagely murdered by a group of women of loyalist women. So there is a horrible history that is a is a separate issue that we should do sometime yeah. of the women who died in these horrible circumstances. So whilst the shocking is, uh, details of this uh, are are alarming for you to listen to, they're not totally uncommon mm. in Belfast.
it's extraordinary how much darkness happened there outside the terrorism because that to me just sounds like pure, unabated, savage murder. You know, I mean, and in the in the heart of this story is that this woman was a Catholic and had yeah, sort of yeah. landed into the company of, you know, it's not as simple yeah. as being a Catholic the judge, and being Protestants. But at the at the trial, the judge fully acknowledged the sectarian d- d- dimension to it. Mm. So that is who the woman that I see on the television. Did that sectarian <laughs> dimension give an excuse, like, or is it a proper? motive there? Is that more than sectarian, you know, a sectarian murder? Well, <laughs> sectarianism has se- several levels. Uh, it's almost like a fear of, of the unknown. What, what Anne-Marie Smith is no threat to anyone. Mm. But she was going to die simply because she was a Catholic. And the, 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 the main killer, Jimmy Manners, was described in court as a Catholic-hating UVF man. Mm. Now, so this is the woman that I see on the television. Yeah. She, 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 she's a teenager when she's involved in this stuff. And the, I see her, and she's nearly 50 years of age. So I decided, in discussion with others, including Connor, uh, that we should go and talk to her. Mm. And uh, I found out through my own resources where she lived. And she lived on the estate in a, in a high flat. There's a number of high, um, high-rise flats there. Uh, we turned in the estate. Now, I, I, I saw her from, on the television, and I took a picture of her from television. And uh, so I knew what she looked like. She had a full head of dark hair. And uh, I was slightly in front of Connor, who was coming with me. And I, I just saw this woman coming out of where the lift to the high flats was. I recognized that immediately. So I turned to Connor and I said, she's here. I'm going to speak to her. Mm. And uh, she, she had a little dog called Pablo, like a corgi dog. And, um, and I said, hello, Michelle. I saw you on television the other night. And she, because of the way the sun was shining, it was in the morning, early morning sun, she couldn't see me. So she had to put her hand up to shade her eyes. And I said, I saw you on television. And she said, oh, I don't really want, I said, we're from the newspaper. And uh, I was wanting to talk to you for a few minutes. And she said, I've got nothing else to say about that. And I said, no, but it's not that that I want to speak to you about. I want to speak to you about. Anne Marie Smith and what happened on on the Craigie Road in 1992. And she went silent. Mm. And she said, I don't want to talk about that either. I said, No, I'm sure you don't. But it's, and it is a long time ago. I acknowledge that. But can you tell me that you regret being involved in it and you are sorry uh, for what happened that night? all those years ago. And she said, I don't want to say anything about it. And I tried to push her again mm. in that direction, uh, but she refused. And she eventually lifted Pablo and, and hurried off to the lift. And that was the end of it. So it was at that point that we decided to do the story because if she had uh, said that, uh, or offered a word of apology 
to Anne-Marie's family or anything like that, then we may have looked on it differently. But I thought it was worthwhile to run the story, and that, that's what happened. And we were contacted by a lot of people who were, first of all, outraged by it, mm. but supportive that, that we had done the story. I suppose it's important as well to know the background of some of these people who are purporting to speak for communities, because in a lot of cases of protests, anti-immigrant protests, and we have plenty of them down here, uh, the ones who do speak maybe aren't representative of the wider view of the community. Uh Um, I'm sure most people in that estate in that community wouldn't want her to be speaking up for them. Well, it's, it's funny. I was approached by a man as I was continuing with my investigations and a man had 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 seen her on television where she addressed the, or spoke about, referred to the immigrants as scumbags. Mm. He said, he said she had the cheek to call these people scumbags and the biggest scumbag in this estate is actually her. Mm. Uh, and that was a, a resident in, in the place, you know. So, uh, but a, another uh, interesting dimension to it is uh, one of the killers, the, the painter, painted mm. the place. He later died of cancer. But Jimmy Manners, the man who had cut her throat back to the spinal cord, he was shot dead by a loyalist eight years later in a pub. In a, in a, he had... Um, by one of his own. Well, by another loyalist group, yes, he had. Uh, there'd been a fallout over money and drugs. And at 11 o'clock, he's standing in the bar and uh, the gunman came in. He ran to the toilet and he was shot four times in the head. So that's, that's how he ended his life. And I'll ask you this question. And um, I hope, you know, this podcast is probably a bit graphic. Nobody's having breakfast while listening or anything like that. But I'm going to ask you anyway, what was the business of the slitting the troth back to the spinal cord? Why did that confuse the police? And was that some sort of an MO? Yes, yes. It was was an echo back to the early and mid-70s with a a modus operandi of the Shankle Butchers. And it, it, it confused the police. Uh, initially. Well, first of all, it was nowhere near the murder scene. It was at least two miles away. and But it was the type of thing that happened often when the Shankle Butchers gang were, were on the were on the go. So and that, in my view, would have been it was quite deliberate mm. uh, to throw the police off the scent. Was there another Shankle Butchers gang on the go? Had this body come from the Shankle area? and been dumped there. But uh, the the truth was something else. Yeah, there's a little bit of organisation to that, even though, yeah, yeah. and a little bit of organisation to luring the victim yeah. Marie back to the yeah. house. And there, there's another interesting point on that. Uh, when he was, when Manners was being questioned by the police, uh, you'll be familiar, Nicola, with the, it tends to be a kind of American thing where they talk about verbaling, where, uh, either the the prosecuting and investigating officers or or the, the accused can bring a dimension into the conversation that means it, it, it can affect the the ongoing evidence mm-hmm. and manners quite beautifully verbal himself 
by asking the detectives, is it possible to murder a dead body? Hmm. And they hadn't at that point said, said to him what they wanted to talk to him about. So he knew that she was dead before her throat was slit. So that was used in an appeal at Dimension. And uh, his uh, his 25-year minimum murder, uh, 25-year sentence was reduced to eight years. Mm. But because of time spent, he, he was released from prison the following week. Which is why he was out free to be killed eight yeah. years after the murder. Yeah, yeah. I wondered yeah. that. Yeah. Um, a fascinating, if not very dark story, Hugh. It is. It is, certainly. Um, and, uh, and it just shows that uh, <laughs> no matter who you are or where you pop up, the Sunday world is watching. That's, that's <laughs> right. The nature of the sectarianism in the North has not really been fully examined where people live an apartheid uh, style of life where they never meet the members of the opposite community. Um, they, they have no reason to meet them. They never come across. If they do, they don't even know they've met them, you know? Yeah. I think it's actually, um, we're only, you know, a few hundred kilometres down the road in Dublin and obviously other parts of the south. And I think we find it very difficult to get our heads around it. I certainly do, yeah. even though I'm working the crime beat. You know, yes. I, I, I'm not unfamiliar with the sort of stuff we've talked about there today but the motivation that's that absolute you know black and white sectarianism does I find it difficult to understand how a yeah. human being can hate another one exactly for one reason um, exactly. but of course you know we've seen it all over the world so let's go back on that and uh, have another joyous discussion Hugh certainly well Nicola <gasps> right thanks a million okay bye You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.